should wait to come out, that you should uh, try to gain rank or status before you do that. That's a bunch of bull It's a new day in the music industry, and I can reach my fans. We're getting there. I've caused harm to the political agenda, and which I'm actually happy for. I would say probably the best message to them is that they're on the wrong side of history. Whether you're lesbian, gay, bi, transgender, or whatever, Love is love. Shout it out to the world. The Michelle Miao Show. Your A through Z covering the LGBT, LMNOP, and everyone in between show. And now here's your host, Michelle Miao. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Happy Tuesday. Happy December 1st. I cannot, cannot believe it's already December. By the time I guess I'm done with the show, it might even feel like the year is over. Right, Fong? Yeah, we're very, <laughs> very close. Oh, my gosh. That will just mean it'll be another year. And uh, no. okay, I'll stop sounding like such a Grinch. I'm Michelle Miao, your host. Thanks so much for joining us today. Fong, our producer, is in studio. Fong, I didn't get a chance to check in with you, but how was your Thanksgiving? My Thanksgiving, uh, it was full. I ate a lot. You know, there's just a lot of food. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, did you cook at all or uh, who does the cooking? Um, so I went to a friend's family and, you know, her mom and, you know, um, her family cooked. So I basically went and brought wine. Good for you. <laughs> good, good, good. Um, you know, the, every time LGBTQI people, uh, we get together in the hol- uh, during the holidays, you know, there's always some, there's always a moment. It can be awkward or it can be, you know, empowering. A uh, uh, moment? Yeah. Did you have a, did you have, did you have a moment during the holidays? Like, ooh, I'm so grateful to be here kind of moment. Um, no, a gay moment, as in somebody always tries to ponder, you know, oh, so do you have a boyfriend? Where's your boyfriend? Or Luckily, you know. no. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. Well, I went home and uh, I have more than 30 people um, in my family. And so I think that there are people who are still pondering when I'm going to get off the lesbian train as Ooh. if it, you know, you can just jump off. <laughs> Um, but at the same time, you know, I brought my partner home with me. And, and so sometimes, you know, you know, when you have crazy aunts or uncles, Uh-oh. they go as far as asking about your sex life, especially after the third glass of wine. Oh. Um, and so it's always interest. It's always an interesting time, I feel. And I feel gay people add to the mix, uh, which, you know, this is why I'm excited for today's show. We have a mm-hmm. special guest. So we might as well just get the party started here on the program Sounds anyway. Great. Or continue the holiday spirit. Uh, Today's program is brought to you by Pacific Fertility Center. When life needs a little encouragement, Pacific Fertility Center will be right by your side. Visit PacificFertilityCenter.com. Our next guest is a filmmaker. His name is Dan Stedman. He's a special kind of filmmaker. He's an independent filmmaker. Uh, He's been in Hollywood for for quite some time. But he's the kind of filmmaker who either becomes his characters or loves his job so much he's willing to take these characters in like little children needing a place to live. He's got a good... He's got a film out. It's a gay dramedy called Red Lodge, which is perfect for the holiday season. And it's this look into this this uh, this film that centers around marriage equality and how it's impacted gay relationships. Uh, but what I love about it is the the reality of gay relationships. And uh, this is all set during the holidays. So let's welcome Dan to the program. Dan, thanks so much for being with us. 
Hi, thank you, Michelle. Great to be here. So um, I had the chance of checking out Red Lodge, uh, which, you know, is, is everything. It's hilarious, it's emotional, and it's very Aww. raw and realistic, uh, which is, you know, the whole point, I feel, of the film. Um, let's talk a little bit about it. So Jordan, uh, played by Joseph Kim, proposes to his boyfriend, Dave, uh, Richard Pierre Lewis, and mm-hmm. they've been dating for two years, and um, it, what you think you'll get is the ultimate and emphatic, yes, we're going to get married, but that doesn't right. actually end up happening, right? Right. Yeah, I just wanted, I just wanted to examine the minutiae of um, the small moments between two people in a relationship, um, not the big moment of marriage or having children or, you know, I'm... My favorite um, films and um, and TV series examine the small beats of life, and I felt like that was missing um, for me. I didn't have a Christmas film for me, um, at least that had gay characters in the lead without any kind of agenda, really just, like, as you said, just to have them appear in life as we do and be part of the mix of society. But be, but their story is front and center. You know, it's it's their story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now the 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 film it's it's interesting because while yes it touches on a very huge topic for us marriage equality it also touches on so many different issues that impact um, you know gay relationships such as you know uh, the characters are inter they're in an interracial relationship they go home to Aunt Vanity. <laughs> hilarious by the way uh you know set yeah set in you know in the in the in the mountains or something right in the country the big sky country is what you call it big sky country of montana yeah yeah and so all these factors you know are kind of that's the reality that 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 i love that you talk about that yes it is awkward when you go home and it's even more awkward when uh, gay couples are fighting in front of you know their family members yeah, this is just, you know, it, 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 it's a great time to have tension between two people, at least as a storyteller, because, of course, it's supposed to be the most wonderful time of the year. So um, to have two people, it, what it really did, as a, I guess as a plot device, dramatically, it allowed them not to discuss what was going on between them. And I think if they'd been home, if it hadn't been Christmas, they probably would have been more open with each other because these are guys that have been together for two years but um, to have it play out over the holidays when you're sort of a guest in a relative's home and and you uh, you know people deal with tension different ways so uh, you know Dave gets quiet mm-hmm. and um, and Jordan acts out um, and uh, you know but really all all it really takes is these two really just need to have it out and discuss what they're feeling right. And that's so, um, it's so reflective, I feel, of two men who are in a relationship. Uh, but also, uh, I find that, you know, lesbian relationships are similar in that way. Now, you know, Dave turns down the proposal and says something that I hear a lot, more so than what maybe mainstream media might be saying about gay marriage, uh, which is, you know, we why do we have to get married? Why do we have to legally mm-hmm. do this? Uh, we've been in love and just leave things the way that they are. Is it mm-hmm. your experience as well? that, you know, in the gay community, I mean, we're not all rushing to the altar. Yeah, it's about having the option to live, you know, the life that you want to live. And so people are at different places when it comes to that issue. Yeah, there probably is an assumption among many straight people that all gay people 
just want to try out marriage or at least be married once or, you know, that's the goal of everyone. And I think what the goal is, is we want the option. We want, want to be able to do it if we want to, if we want to do it. Um, but not everybody's on the same page, as you know, <laughs> and that's certainly in both lesbian and gay relationships. Um, it's, it's hard for two people to get on the same page. Right. <laughs> even if they love each other. Right. And even if they're very happy. I, I think Dave and Jordan are very happy. I think they're, they're, they're a wonderful couple. It's just this proposal comes, on, uh, you know, at, at a train station right before going home for Christmas. And probably uh, what Jordan thought was going to be romantic, you know, is for a moment. And then uh, when Dave's not ready for that, it's not the romantic Christmas holiday fantasy he probably thought it was going to be. Michelle Miao, our guest on the phone is Dan Stedman, like I said in my introduction, a special kind of filmmaker. Um, and I say that because his, all of his characters, he takes so much time and attention in, in making sure that uh, they're reflective in a way and where, you know, we can all look back as if these are real characters in our lives. And I feel like Jordan and Dave exist down the street, you know, at the gay bar from, right here from the studio. Um, and which leads me to my next question, which you do such an incredible job of, of you know, the flirtation that exists, um, you know, when, in, in relationships. And this is in all relationships. You can go down to the grocery store and, mm-hmm. and you know, the cashier can give you a wink and a discount on, you know, the hot dogs that you're buying. Uh, but, that, you know, <laughs> Dave has, uh, you know, the, the similar experience at the grocery store and then we see Jordan later you know come into contact with a with a younger guy um that was you know it I think that adding that element to it makes it even more real well thank you that that the idea with that was this notion of um bringing a a younger guy into the mix it was um for me interesting in that I don't necessarily know that either one of them wants to get down with this younger guy. I think they're using him as a pawn in their relationship. So, um, you know, he's just kind of the innocent victim in, 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 their, in the tension they have between the two of them. Um, and so, to me, it's a different kind of... Um, it wasn't done um, necessarily to be titillating. You know, it, did, it, was, it was done because um, sometimes people use other people on the outside... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in their little chess game of, of love and romance. Right, right. But I will be, I mean, I love that you're honest about it. I mean, in gay, in the gay community, like gay men, I mean, th- there's competition all, all the time. I, I, I think that you have to agree with that, right? Yeah, there, there sure can be, especially in big cities and especially with the way dating has changed and with everything being on your phone and with people <laughs> never seeming to settle down with or be, be okay with um, the person that they're with, um, always looking over their shoulder. I don't think everyone's like that. I'm relieved to know that I'm to find, I mean, I'm finally in a relationship that that's not happening. And uh, it took moving, uh, I'm actually out in the Midwest now, um, it, it took moving um, to find someone, uh, you know, uh, not that there aren't great, great people in the big city, yeah. but... Um, but, you know, it is really tough when um, enough is never enough. Right, You right. know, when, they're, when people always think they can do, like, 10% better, you know? <laughs> it's always like, uh, it's like, yeah, I, I'm really into you. Yeah, I, this is a great time. But let me, just, you know, let me just see if I can upgrade by 10%. And, um, you know, relationships aren't rent-a-cars. Yes, exactly. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh my gosh, great point. I don't want to give too much. Like, I, like that's a line, but I, that's the first time I've ever said that. But <laughs> that's what it was starting to sound like as I was describing the current dating. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, I love that. Hope out there, and I wanted to, you know, I wanted to show p- two people that can stand a chance. It's not necessarily a happy ever after film, although it, we do leave them, you know, in a in a. Wait, wait, wait. I, I was just going to say, don't give it away. Okay. Don't give it away. We, we I do. won't. I'm just going to, yeah. yeah. I'll just, um, you know, I, I, I wasn't going to make a, a doubt. I, what my goal was to make a realistic Christmas film, but a lot of times independent films can slip into, you know, pessimism and complete downer, and, and that's not really my style. I, I, I can appreciate those films upon occasion in watching them, but I believe that, you know, characters need to take at least, a, you know, a step forward or inch one way or the other, you know, in a, in a plot. Otherwise, you've just kind of wasted my time if if it's just, a, you know, a slice of life. But my favorite um, my favorite director and writer in Hollywood is Nicole Holofener. And um, her films I are just, you know, she, she made the film Enough Said and Lovely and Amazing and Please Give. And friends with ben, with um, friends with money, um, but I just love how she inches her characters um, just you know just forward ever so slightly, and to me that's enough. That's all I need as a as a viewer, and um, that's really influenced my storytelling um, to just you know move my characters forward an inch. I will have to say, I mean, I, I think that this is one of the best holiday films featuring gay characters in the lead position. And I mean, I, I think for a lot of us who have been following LGBTQI films, we've come a long, long way in terms of the quality right. of our films. Um, and so if you're cruising Netflix during the holidays looking for gay lesbian films, by the way, <laughs> you will get more of the very like, oh, you know, we've got to keep the relationship a secret thing. And that that's just probably right. because Netflix, you know, doesn't have all the rights to um, yeah, putting the great films out there. But they're coming. They're coming. Dan, we have to take a quick break right here. But when we come back, I'd love to dive into to your life and your experiences okay. and, and, and an article, actually, that you wrote that was featured in The Advocate. So stay with us. Okay. The Michelle Meow Show continues right after this. Don't go away. More of Dan. Thanks for listening to the Progressive Voices Network, streaming the best in progressive talk 24-7. Keep the progressive conversation going on on Facebook. Like us at facebook.com forward slash progressive voices. On the Progressive Voices Facebook page, we update the stories that our hosts like Tom Hartman, Stephanie Miller, Bill Press, and Leslie Marshall will be talking about during their shows. And we share great news, commentaries, opinion pieces, and videos from all over the progressive world. Always progressive, always on. Be part of the progressive conversation. Like us at facebook.com forward slash progressive voices. Babe, I think we're ready. We're really doing this. Yeah, I'm ready for our family. So where do we start? (laughs) Starting a family is a team effort, and when life needs a little encouragement, Pacific Fertility Center will be right by your side. As a unified team of the best fertility specialists, guided by the highest ethical standards, Pacific Fertility Center provides patients with compassionate fertility care. Visit PacificFertilityCenter.com. 
This is a true story about two best friends who fell in love and moved across the country to the city by the bay. After many years of dating, Jen and Jacqueline are now planning their dream wedding. It's a big moment in everyone's life when you say I do, especially when you can make choices for your authentic life and your loved ones too. Congratulations, Jen and Jacqueline. Live your authentic life. A special message brought to you by Weatherford BMW. And now, back to the Michelle Meow Show. Welcome back. Thanks so much for joining us here on this Tuesday, December 1st. I'm Michelle Meow, your host. Fong, our producer, is in studio making sure those buttons work and uh, this mic works. So I'm very thankful for that. <laughs> our guest today is Dan Stedman. We're in for a huge treat. We were just talking about his holiday film, Red Lodge, and which features a gay couple and uh, really goes through you know some of the issues that impact gay relationships, such as marriage equality, dating interracially, or uh, you know even Coming out, um, that happens a lot during the holidays. You know, the, everybody wants to know. And even if they do know, they want you to confirm you're gay. Dan, you know, tell us some of your holiday stories, maybe. what, what You know, what, what's like the best awkward moment, empowering moment, or gay moment you've had during a holiday? Well, um, uh, certainly um, awkward was uh, sort of getting uninvited to... Um, my own family Christmas. Oh my God. Um, yeah. Um, which happened when I met my partner, Rodney. And, um, you know, it's not, it's not the case with every single family member of mine, but, um, you know, that's a bit of a downer, but that's a fact of, of life. And, um, so that would be a memorable uh, in a bad way, um, holiday and, uh, in recent years, but, um, I had great, you know, I mean, Great ones growing up, and um, yeah, I, and I always love Christmas films. See, when I was um, I was out in Montana producing a talk show right um, before I made Red Lodge, and I had been watching a lot of gay films really for the first time in my life. I guess with all the years in Los Angeles, I just hadn't spent a lot of time watching gay films, and the ones that I did watch were of uh, you, you know there were um, like Brokeback Mountain in Philadelphia and. Um, and Far From Heaven, and, you know, I, I love these films, but um, they all ended in death, mm. and I thought, isn't there, um, aren't there stories to be told that are just, you know, not so tragic? Um, those are all beautifully made and acted films, uh, and I own them all. Um, A Single Man was another one, and I just, I started to realize that all these films, all the gay films I owned, ended in death or somebody wanting to die. Ugh, a single man and was really, really sad. Yeah. It was so sad, I know, and, and, and I love it, but it's so sad. And, and then a movie came along um, and changed um, my life, really, in the direction of my career. And that was the kids are just, oh. are, are, the kids the, are all right. Right, right, yes. Uh, and, you know, yeah. Starring yeah, Julian Moore and, uh, and uh, Annette Benning. Oh, the Annette incredible Benning, Annette yeah, Benning. and Mark Ruffalo, yeah. Mm -hmm. And see, that was very rare because where I lived in Montana, I mean, I lived in the big city of Billings, which is the biggest city up there, and you never saw anything come to theaters that was um, gay-themed, of course. I mean, they just have kind of the multiplexes that are for teenage boys, 14-year-old teenage boys. 
Um, but for one or two weeks, that movie came to that theater, and I knew it was going to go as fast as it came, so I went on opening night. And in watching that movie, it was so refreshing to see a movie with two lesbian characters in the lead role, and neither one of them wanted to die, and neither one of them um, had gotten a disease. And it was just a slice-of-life relationship piece. And that is the movie that I thought, you know, that is the kind of film I want to make. Um, and then I got to thinking, you know, how much I love Christmas um, and and how I wish there was a film I could put in at Christmas time or, um, you know, I guess download <laughs> yeah. and, um, and, and watch. And that led to Red Lodge. And I thought before I, you know, before I moved back to L.A., um, let me take advantage of the scenery in Montana and... Um, and that's really how that movie came to be. There are a lot of gays who come out of Montana, by the way. I mean, just personally, well, yeah, I've been. <laughs> it's a great place for lesbians. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so Dan, speaking of you know Hollywood gay films, I mean, this just this year, I mean, in the last few years, actually, we've had a plethora, a slew of incredible LGBTQI films. I mean, just recently, mm-hmm. Lily Tomlin with her film Grandma that did well. Um, right. You know, right now, The Danish Girl is just uh, you know has been premiered in in, in big cities, featuring uh, Eddie Redmayne in in playing one of the first known transgender women who went through gender reassignment surgery and the Danish girl. What are your thoughts? I, I, I mean, uh, it, it, this is our time in Hollywood. Yeah. I love the way it's, it, it's moving. You know, it's, it's, it's probably going to be a long time before, you know, there's a, um, a gay action hero and a mainstream, you know, like before James Bond is a gay man or, uh, or, you know, there's still a long way for, Again, because movies really have shifted into the direction of 14-year-old boys. But if you live in big cities or, you, you know, you certainly have access to great independent cinemas that play the movies like you've just mentioned. Um, I mean, I, I know for me, I'm now living in the country outside of St. Louis, but I'll drive almost an hour to get up to one of the good theaters up in St. Louis to catch movies like that because that's the kind of storytelling I'm passionate about and I'm passionate about supporting you know, and it's really important to get out there and see those kinds of movies when they come out. It's important for, I think, the gay community to realize that you have to financially support films. You can't just wait for everything to come to Netflix mm-hmm. or free on YouTube because movies, you know, cost money and and they need your support. These are small businesses we're running when we're making independent films. This is like, you know... Thank Outside you. of when I'm on set, this is like right. a one-man operation, you know? So right. No, it, no, no, no. Um, Thank you so much for saying that. And, and speaking of that, yeah. by the way, Red Lodge it will be available on iTunes shortly, or or is it already available on iTunes? I don't know if it's out there. It's been out on Amazon, but we've, okay. um, the best price for it right now is on my website, circa87.com, because we made it um, inexpensive to stream or download through Vimeo. So that is the place I point people to. Um, I named my company after the year I started working in television when I was a young boy, really. I mean, I was a teenager when I started in 87, but uh, that's why the name of my company is Circa87.com. Well, I mean, uh, the I, I want to say the first five lucky, you know, people who email us, I want to buy a copy of Circa 87 for oh, you. Oh, nice of Yes. So the first five, though, I mean, or I don't I don't even know how much it costs, but I mean, oh, that might just sound make me, that just might, it's like 99 cents, and I'm like, the first five. 
<laughs> why don't if you really want a copy, why don't you email me? We'll find a way to get you a copy. Uh, and uh, you can go to michellemeow.com and let us know. So, you know, Dan, I'm having such a great time talking to you. There are a couple things that I did want to ask you just because this is a film during the holidays and all of us will be mm-hmm. mindful of either going home. Um, and then if you're not, you know, you'll be with friends or, or chosen family at least. Uh, but there's always that question of, you know, when, you, when you're going away somewhere, to, especially if you're partnered up, right? Um, mm-hmm. If you if you decide to act a little different because you're you're you know not in the uh, you're not in the gay neighborhood you're not in the Castro anymore you're not in Greenwich right. you know um, do you feel <laughs> do you feel like or, or have you ever experienced that? You mean uh, intentionally acting different when yeah. you're around people? Yeah. Well, I I hope that you know obviously um, you don't pick your family. Um, so sometimes you modify your behavior, you know, when you're around your family because they're the the ones you get. Um, but I would hope that if you're hanging out with your chosen family or with your friends, that you are being yourself, and you know they they are your friends because you're you know you're able to be yourself. But I think everybody adapts just slightly. I think this notion of always be yourself. I mean, you're not going to behave the same way at a funeral that you will at. Uh, you know, at a baseball game. So I think, don't you think in every moment in life you modify your behavior slightly? Um, but we're all multidimensional, so hopefully we have different sides to ourselves. So um, You're absolutely I, right. I love that answer. I don't find me, ever, I don't find myself ever intentionally um, becoming somebody different. But, for example, when I used to cast reality shows for different networks, you know, I would one one day I was um, singing at a bar with lesbians at 1 a.m. in New York City, and then the very next day I was I was on a boat with lobstermen in Maine off Kennebunkport, and you better believe I'm not going to be exactly the same person with the lobstermen <laughs> on a boat that I was with the lesbians in the bar. <laughs> so you know, I think um, part of what helps. I think people can get ahead in life if they can certainly not be a different person, but if they can certainly, you know, adjust to the climate that they're in. Last question for you before we let you go. And I mean, you have to promise to come back on the show, by the way, especially if you've you've got new work coming up. Um, So you wrote this article uh, that was featured in The Advocate a few years ago Mm -hmm. in 2012 and talking about, you know, gay hospitality in which it's a cliche of uh, of ours and those in the LGBTQ community is that we're um, extremely hospitable people. But that really (laughs) wasn't, uh, you know, kind of your experience as you visited gay friends. I, I actually, you know, wanted to say. I, I thought that you um, being hospitable or are you thinking that gays are hospitable comes back to your, your background of growing up in the, in the Midwest. Uh, right. but, but what are your thoughts? <laughs> well, yeah, I just, I love any time a cliche isn't true, even if it's a negative one. And um, so I wrote an article about uh, homo hospitality and it was just like, yeah, even I assumed that, you know, oh, good, I'm going to stay with a, a gay couple. It's going to be the most uh, amazing accommodations. And um, turns out some gays are really bad at um, being hosts. <laughs> and, and they wouldn't give me a blanket, Michelle. They give me like a throw. And um, a throw isn't even a thing. It's like a verb. It's not even a noun. Um, and it's something you do when you're playing sports. But uh, no, they gave me a throw, and it did not keep me warm. And it was the middle of winter in Nashville, and I was cold. 
And uh, in the middle of the night, I started looking around in the guest closet for anything um, to warm up with. And I found an iron that had been, I think, a, a wedding gift or something. <laughs> and I tried to iron myself in bed, like, just for warmth. Uh, by obviously setting it on low, and then by the end of the night, um, yeah, I was like, <laughs> well, I'll let them read at the end of the article, but yeah, I think I was like sleeping under a, 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 a bride's dress or, or, a, or a groom's gown or something, Some the only piece of fabric I could find in their closet. <laughs> Dan, you've been so fabulous. I think that we'll we'll end there, and it's a reminder that we should take back that cliche. We shall be all be hospitable, and if you've got friends traveling in for the holidays, make sure you do not give them a throw. Yeah, let's work on it. Find them a blanket for the love of God. <laughs> Dan, thanks again for being with us. Thank you, Michelle. Love your show. Appreciate it. Thank you. And for more information to follow Dan's work, you can head to Circa87.com. And remember, the first five or, well, okay, fine. You know, whoever wants a copy of Red Lodge, yeah, why don't you email me? Head to MichelleMeow.com and hit the contact button. Don't go away. We'll be right back. I'm Heclina. I've been doing drag here in San Francisco for almost 20 years, and uh, over the past couple of months, I just opened up my club, Oasis. It's been going really well. People really seem to appreciate the space. It's something people say San Francisco really needs right now, because the city has been changing a lot. I always had this attitude of, of opening a space that was kind of like for everybody, and that's just kind of the attitude and the, the uh, the ethics of Oasis is it's kind of a space for everybody. How does it feel to be a business owner? I don't know, you know, it's funny because I still need, I still have to kind of pinch myself to believe it's actually true, you know what I mean? Like I walk in there and, and I go up to the bar and I go, oh, could I please have a glass of water? You know, it's kind of like, I forget that it's my place. Running gay clubs, it's changed a lot. Um, I think that gay people now, they're everywhere. They don't feel like they have to maybe be in a gay bar all the time, so you have to be much more creative about how you are enticing people to come out to your club. I, I guess I'm successful because I'll just say it, I work really hard at what I do. I also like to provide a really quality experience for people. So yes, you know, people will pay to see my shows and pay to come to my club, but I always like, like to give them something that's worth it. The experience that they'll, they'll leave my shows going, okay, that was worth it, you know what I mean? This has always been my attitude. Um, just to entertain people and so it seems like that works, you know. I would say to young kids, you know, just kind of form your own identity and, uh, and you know, don't let others dictate how you should behave or think. Uh, you can always go to uh, sfoasis.com to find out about all the entertainment and nightlife that we have going on at Oasis. If you want to see drag, we've got that for you. If you want to see some queer hip-hop parties or queer dance parties, we have that for you. Spotlight on success and achievement. Brought to you by Wells Fargo. Together, we'll go far. And now, back to the Michelle Meow Show. Welcome back. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Michelle Meow, your host. Our producer, Fong, is in studio our next guest is an incredible, uh, incredible woman. I mean, I just read her credentials, and I will have to say that uh, the, that it's a long list 
of work that she does. And so I'll just try to be brief as much as possible. But she's a Latina trans identified woman who is the Shiro's project director at UCSF Center of Excellence for Transgender Health. Also is co-chair for Trans Health Empowerment Work Group of the San Francisco Human Rights Commission's LGBT Action Committee and also for the UCSF National Transgender Health Summit Mental Health Track. Um, she's a clinical supervisor for El La Para Trans Latinas. I'd like to welcome you to Danielle Castro. Danielle, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. So November 20th, uh, right before Thanksgiving, is an, a very important day for us in the community, but also for one for everyone in the world to recognize, which is the uh, the day, the Transgender Day of Remembrance. Um, and I, you know, and, and I didn't, we didn't get a chance to talk prior to that, but I feel like the transgender transgender Day of Remembrance should continue on for every day until we solve the issues that impact the trans community. What are your thoughts? I agree. I think that uh, we need to do more every day to stop transphobia and stop the genocide of trans women of color. Um, and it's really obvious from the report that it's primarily trans women of color, although I did hear of um, a terrible loss in Asia where a, a trans man actually was skinned alive before oh. he was killed. Um, and that's the level of uh, trauma that we face every day. There's a new report uh, out about someone that's either been seriously injured or murdered. And it's not because we're trans people. It's because people are transphobic. Mm, great. That is that is actually a, an incredible point that I've not heard someone say. I, you know what the the media has caught on to some of the stories. I mean, I know that the 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 reports even here in this country is up in the double digits. Well, probably from what we know, over thirty right uh, women who have been murdered due to transphobia. Um, we're obviously not doing enough, and I've, I've asked this question so many times. There's, there is something that we can do. We can eradicate or we can stop the murders today, but we're not doing it. Yeah, I mean, we have so many different programs around the world working to stop the genocide of, of trans people, but we're seriously under-resourced, and quite honestly, um, although uh, it's important to keep us trans people in the forefront of the movement, we need support from our allies. And it feels like um, a lot of people are saying they're allies, but not actually putting that into practice. And the evidence of that is really um, the films that I find on YouTube of violence against trans women. We're seeing, it's seen as a sideshow versus, wow, let me help this person that's being hurt. Um, and, you know, and we're left to our own devices to struggle to survive. And many of us have been incarcerated for fighting for our own lives. Um, so we need to think about um, how to deconstruct that system, the, the incarceration system, um, and stop policing trans women and instead think about how we can support each other to stay alive. I don't want to take away from the incredible work, though, uh, several organizations around the country, you know, are working on in terms of uh, uh, empowering the lives of trans women and calling attention to the dangers and the harm that trans uh, people face. I mean, obviously, Transgender Law Center uh, here in San Francisco, the Transgender Justice um, uh, Institute. Um, what else? We've 
we have so many more. Yeah, we have we have a ton of organizations. Actually, in February, um, my friend and sister Taja Gabriel Jesus was stabbed to death here in San Francisco in the Bayview. And in 72 hours, we came together as a community and um, developed um, the Taja's Coalition. And the name Taja is actually an acronym for um, Transgender Advocates for Justice and Accountability. And it's the first time that we have a local coalition of this magnitude um, that's supported by the city and county of San Francisco. They actually awarded us funds um, 100000 each year for two years. And part of our plan in that work with that limited amount of funding, it may sound like a lot, but to live here, you have to make 100000 a year to live <laughs> comfortably. Um, so, I mean, that organization came out of um, us standing together and protesting on Trans Liberation Tuesday which was the first time we got together um, with an organized response around the murders and violence um, to, I mean, specifically to Taja. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we, we have the city and county support, but um, we need more than that. We need more support. And I think that um, when I look to the members of our organization, of the coalition, they're all trans serving organizations, and I look at their funding streams and what they're able to do with that amount of money. And honestly, most of it is volunteer. So, you know, we spent a lot of resources on marriage equality, and I hope and expect that our queer community will invest in saving the lives of transgender people. You know, that's a great segue into my next question, and and, uh, let's have a very, you know, heart to heart honest conversation about the LGB in LGBTQ in terms of and and you mentioned it earlier, you know, allies, um, but we could be doing so much more. And some of us think that we're doing something when we're, you know, can sometimes fall prey to just uh, becoming voyeuristic to the sideshows that you're talking about that are available on YouTube. Let's let's go down and and let's let's talk about some specific things that if you want to be an ally, if you consider yourself an ally, here are some things that you should consider, you know, doing or being active in in supporting trans rights. What do you think those things are? Well, um, they're they're kind of common sense, but I understand that it's challenging to kind of think through these things right. and the the importance of holding up trans people, actually stepping up for trans people, but empowering them to have their voices heard, to have our voices heard, sorry. Um, I think that many times a lot of quote-unquote allies will um, kind of find the spotlight, like a nice, it's nice to be in the limelight. I could understand that, but it's really important to put the people that are at risk in the limelight um, versus holding ourselves up in that, that pedestal. Um, so, for example, you mentioned Transgender Law Center. Um, you know, Chris Daly was one of the founders of Transgender Law Center, and he worked really hard. He's a non-trans guy um, to kind of highlight the work that trans people were doing and making space for trans people to talk about things and, you know, supporting the movement um, kind of in the, the background. 
and he was really intentional about that. And I think that that model is super powerful. If we could kind of create a limelight and invite community members to be in that limelight, it's really empowering, and it helps us to actually feel a level of acceptance and to feel like we're a part of and that our voices do matter. Um, I think that's one way of supporting mm -hmm. trans people and being a good ally. I mean, the, the, the basics is really just to understand the issues we face and understand the intersections that we all, you know, we, we all have these intersections between the different levels of oppression um, and looking to understand our stories our lives, our experiences, um, that's really beneficial to provide that space to us to be able to share and also to do something about it. It's one thing to listen. It's another to take action. You mentioned this earlier on marriage equality and how much money we threw into that fight. Um, you know, obviously there are several organizations that I can point out that may have resources and, and ways to raise money uh, that can be funneled back to trans organizations. Uh, do you, do you, I mean, it's, how do we, I guess, I mean, <laughs> what am I trying to ask here without, without uh, offending somebody, but it, it's like, there's got to be some some way or someone that you know we talk to that gets it and that is willing to to make this easier because uh, I do think that it's actually very easy it can be done overnight in which some of the money can can you know there, that there's a priority to funnel that back to trans organizations or am I in uh, over my head and and we have to start from scratch no I think that we do have a pool of philanthropists and organizations that are very wealthy as a result of investment of many people into marriage equality. I think that we have an opportunity to set the stage to really change the discussion and reroute our priorities. Um, you know, I think it's great that anyone can get married now, uh, but I do think um, that there's some level of resentment, like we were thrown under the bus for so many years. Um, so I, I think it's an important discussion, and I think that um, the, actually the government is trying. <laughs> mm. You know, the, uh, President Obama hosted a, a um, it was the first ever kind of group meeting with trans people um, to talk about all of the issues we have in this country and how to resolve them. So I think that opening up those forums to include other voices besides the, you know, kind of cherry-picked people that were there. Um, I think that's one way to definitely get the government more on board and to help them understand what we need. Um, but, you know, I'm not exactly pro-government, um, even though I exist in it. I think that as a, a, a community, um, we all have different links to organizations. And if we know the right people, it's just about picking up the phone and having a conversation and really getting buy-in from those organizations. Great points, Danielle. We're going to take a quick break right here, but when we come back, I'd love to continue our conversation, especially on uh, something you brought up, which, um, you know, the word intersections. What does that actually mean? Uh, I, I really want to focus on racial intersections and the oppressions that you talked about. So stay with us. The Michelle Meow Show continues right after this.
Thanks for listening to the Progressive Voices Network, streaming the best in progressive talk 24-7. Keep the progressive conversation going on on Facebook. Like us at facebook.com forward slash progressive voices. On the Progressive Voices Facebook page, we update the stories that our hosts like Tom Hartman, Stephanie Miller, Bill Press, and Leslie Marshall will be talking about during their shows. And we share great news, commentaries, opinion pieces, and videos from all over the progressive world. Always progressive, always on. Be part of the progressive conversation. Like us at facebook.com forward slash progressive voices. The Commonwealth Club is a unique organization that brings together people from a variety of backgrounds to explore important issues as a community. Sooner or later, everyone worth hearing comes to our stage. From Marga Gomez to Richard Chamberlain, from James Hormel to Kate Kendall, leading thinkers, activists, politicians, and artists have come to the Commonwealth Club of California. Ted Olson and David Boyes came here to discuss their winning legal strategy for same-sex marriage. Jason Collins talked about gay athletes. The Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence discussed activism and good works. Actor and director Rob Reiner explained how he got Hollywood behind same-sex marriage. Barney Frank described what it's like to be gay at the highest levels of Washington. From healthcare reform to transgender rights, from immigration to gay-owned businesses, it's all at the Commonwealth Club. And that's still just a portion of the 450 programs we present every single year, with new programming nearly every single day. Be a part of the conversation. Learn more at commonwealthclub.org, download our free app in iTunes, and join us in person the next time you're in San Francisco. The Commonwealth Club of California puts you face-to-face with today's thought leaders. And now, back to the Michelle Meow Show. Welcome back. Thanks so much for joining us today. I'm Michelle Miao, your host. Our guest on the phone is Danielle Castro, who's a Latina trans-identified woman here in San Francisco, uh, who's the uh, Shiro's Project Director at UCSF's Center for Excellence for Transgender Health and does a, a lot for our community. Um, Danielle, you mentioned, you know, intersections, and, and I feel like we don't have enough open and honest discussions regarding even, you know, racial intersections and, and people not understanding that there is a difference. Um, we deal with this in our community already, that there, you know, the the not understanding cultural backgrounds and actually, I'll just say it, yes, racism exists in our own community. How does that impact the trans community? Well, you know, I'm a therapist as well, one of my many hats, and I, I work with primarily trans youth, and I see the level of violence um, that we face, um, you know, in, in my clients. And it's so hard to sit with the fact that even though we're a part of the LGB um, community, it, it doesn't really feel that way. It feels like we're stepchildren in a way. Um, and to see my clients suffering at the hands of um, primarily um, gay white men it is so sad to me. And it's actually impacted me individually. Um, I was assaulted. It was assault and battery in front of um, Toad Hall Lounge here in San Francisco in the Castro, right around the corner where I provide services for trans youth. Um, the the bar manager came out while I was protesting violence against trans women of color, mm. and uh, I have mobility issues, 
talk about intersections, you know. Um, I was sitting in front of uh, Toad Hall, and the bar manager tried to close the door on me and kept, like, badgering it on me. So he ended up hurting me. And, you know, I was I was there wearing a T-shirt that was given to me by Taja's mom, who I call mom now, mm. um, depicting Taja. And, you know, I was there to represent and to stand up against the violence. And I experienced it at the hands of the, the bar manager. And, you know, um, I think that when when we talk about intersections, it's important to remember that we all have them. And, you know, intersection just means like the, the overlap of so many different um, experiences that we have and, right. and kind of issues that we're dealing with, like mobility, like our cultural background. Um, another thing that comes into play is to think about the level of child sexual abuse that we mm-hmm. face as gender non-conforming people. There was an article in 2011 that actually showed that gender non-conforming and gender variant youth are more um, vulnerable to being sexually abused. And what's that about? And we can't really have that discussion without understanding the many layers that come into play. So, you know, I, I think... This this word has become kind of like a, a catchphrase these days, so much right. popular in the movement. And I think that the reason for that is because it's based in reality. We are all individuals with many different experiences. And it's important that we think about that when we're engaging in discussions, when we're doing work with each other, and actually be supportive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I know it sounds like you said earlier, it's like common sense, right? But for some reason, it just also feels so difficult and so hard, which is why I feel like we're in this situation in which the trans movement is 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 happening. It's happening. It, you know, trans uh, women, trans men, trans issues are, you know, they're right there in front of Hollywood. Even you've got, uh, you know, people in the media and, and enough exposure with people like Laverne Cox, like Janet Mock, but at the same time from the very, um, the, the everyday realistic view of trans life, it's, it's so different. I, I wanted to bring this up to you and, and also ask that we have an honest discussion in terms of um, working together with an LGB and T and how possible that is. I mean, it has to be possible at some point. Some people will, you know, say, for example, and I don't want to generalize, uh, but that's where I'm going, uh, that, you know, the, the trans movement has to happen on its own. Uh, how, how harmful do you think that statement is, or if it is even harmful to you? Well, it, has, it hasn't happened that way. Um, historically, when I, I look back at our timeline um, to Competence Cafeteria, to the Stonewall Riot, before that there was an, an up like a uproar um, at a donut shop by trans guys in L.A. And it feels to me like um, we've been oppressed by our own community. And it seems to me like it's time to step up and admit that and move forward as a community. I agree that there are many issues that um, we may not have in common, um, but that doesn't really matter. We've, we've been fighting all along for queer rights as trans people. We've never thrown anyone under the bus. 
But for some reason, in media, in, in everything, in the organization postings, and it's just so blatant that, you know, we're kind of held back. We're, our, our power is, like, oppressed. Mm-hmm. No, we did this ourselves. We're gay people. It's our movement. And that's just not the case. It never was. And I don't think it ever will be. Well, you know, I'm going to be specific here and and, and uh, give some examples. So here in San Francisco during Pride, for example, right, we have Trans March, which happens on Friday. And then we have the actual parade um, in which uh, that, that happens on Sunday. And it's been inclusive of uh, the trans community in, in that you know, grand marshals have also come from the trans community, but but then it 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 also sometimes feels like it's separated. Uh, what? How does it feel for you as somebody who's extremely um, you know important and also an incredible activist for the trans community, but in the San Francisco community? Well, I you know I'm I've been uh, involved with Trans March since the beginning, and you know either attending or organizing. And I feel like it's really important for us to have that time together. We don't create enough intentional spaces for trans people to come together. And I think part of the reasoning behind that, um, you know, just to caveat, there's also Dyke March. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and I I think that um, pride has evolved into kind of a corporate-driven model. And... um, that is not really kind of, that's not where we are as a community. We aren't invested in corporations to drive our movement. We, you know, it's like we get together as community and we create trans march with very little money. I think we get like five grand from a different, you know, um, Horizons Foundation. Thank you, Horizons. Um, (laughs) They are awesome. Yeah. And I think that, um, it's important to have those intentional spaces. We have a youth elder brunch at Trans March, and that's not a part of Pride. You know, it's a part of the, the Pride weekend. But, um, you know, I think the feeling of oppression is real. Um, I think there has been a, a lot of intentional exclusion of trans people within Pride itself. And I think that they've worked really hard to kind of mend that. And they actually support Trans March and make it part of their event. But it wasn't always that way. And, you know, we really need to be held accountable um, as Pride, as Trans March, as Dyke March. Mm-hmm. All of these different organizations need to really realize, yes, there is real trauma. There's been real historic trauma that we've caused, you know. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it's important that we come together as a community. So I see it as kind of yes and. We are part of Pride festivities, but I also think it's important for us to come together as a community in our own spaces. It doesn't feel like very safe to be a part of the big Pride, um, you know, the, the actual day of Gay Pride. It's called Gay Pride. That's another thing. What the hell does that mean? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Not all trans people are gay people. Right, exactly. And, you know, so really thinking about that, is it going to be changed? Los Angeles changed their center to, you know, their LGBT center. That's what we call it here in San Francisco. They started with transgender, gay, lesbian, bisexual, and, you know, queer, intersex. 
and allies, they, they started it with trans to actually own up to that fact that as queer community, we have not been the best and including trans people. (laughs) Danielle, I really value your time and your thoughts today. I I think it it actually is a changing point in terms of how I even perceive uh, myself to be an ally. And I hope that anybody who's tuning in, uh, most importantly, if you are or think you are an ally, obviously there is so much more that we can be doing. So thank you, Danielle. Thank you so much for being on our program. I appreciate you having me. Thank you. Danielle Castro, everyone. Uh, she's a Latina trans-identified woman. She's the Shiro's Project Director. And uh, if you want to check out more information, you can head to transhealth.ucsf.edu. Well, uh, that wraps up the show. Thank you so much for joining us today. Remember, copies of Red Lodge by Dan Stedman. If you go to michellemeow.com and uh, contact us. We'll be back tomorrow at the same time, 4 o'clock Pacific Standard Time. So don't miss us. Thank you. Thank you.